0: Hey everybody welcome to this week's podcast I am super excited for this weekend at PAX I have a panel that I'm doing with Retronauts which is Saturday at 7 p.m. in the Bumblebee theater and I'll be there from Friday at noon till about Sunday at noon uh, and I'm really just going to be wandering around, checking out as many of the panels as I'm interested in, and trying to meet as many of you as possible, because that's usually my favorite thing about these. Although being able to do a panel with Retronauts is probably going to be up there as well. So if you've seen me at all, or you know, if you know you're going to be there, tweet at me email me, message me on discord, wherever it is that you could find me. And please let me know because I really do love meeting as many of you as I possibly can. So hope to see you all this weekend and let's jump right into the news. First up, a new video was just posted from Displaced Gamers called Intro to Chroma. And I'm a giant fan of this channel and I think this video highlights exactly why. It's very technical, but it's presented in a way with really great visual uh, visual cues that I think most people with just the desire to learn would be able to follow it and understand. So even if you go in as a beginner and even if you have to watch it twice or something, I, I really do think that the Displaced Gamers videos are kind of videos for everybody that wants nerd knowledge but doesn't really know where to go to get started, Um, and even intermediate stuff. I love the way they present it, and even some of the oscilloscope stuff they showed with 100% color bars talked exactly about what Stee has been teaching us for years, but with a really, really good visual cue that I never thought to put in any of my videos. So kudos, displaced gamers. (laughs) Well done. Uh, So I would recommend that you start with intro to Luma first, and then watch this if you're a beginner to kind of get an idea of how these signals are generated Um, but it really does help grasp why some of the devices we own are the way they are so why do we have rgb to component converters why won't it just work with everything and how does component video generate video without a fourth line but not lose any quality and i think this video is a really great example of all of that so uh, please give it a watch if you're into this stuff and definitely check out their other videos as well and i will warn you this could turn into a binge watch there's an excellent chance if you're a nerd like me, you'll start watching these and blink an eye and then hours will have gone by. <laughs> a pop-up book was just released that highlights the body sensation Sega arcade games. And those were the arcade games that you had to use your whole body in. So like the the hang-on game that you would sit on or sit in afterburner and be able to move around. And the fullest of games is Hang-On, Space Harrier, Outrun, Afterburner, Thunderblade and Power Drift. And this book is a history of each of those games, uh, even with some contributions from Yu Suzuki, the person who was on the teams of all of these arcade games and each game has its own pop-up. So when you get to that part of the book, you open it up and the arcade machine itself unfolds in front of you in the book. Um, I got to admit, I bought one of these things. I have no idea what the quality is going to be. The quality seems fine, but um, I just I think it's really cool, and it's also going to take up a lot less space than trying to collect all of those arcade machines. But these are ones that struck a chord with many of us growing up, um, especially Afterburner for me, because I always wanted to be a fighter pilot. I loved the F-14 to- Tomcat, and the thought of me getting into a machine moving the stick left and the machine rotates left or back or forward like that was the coolest thing in the world as a kid and there was no way that game to me personally could have ever been as good on any home port. Outrun was the opposite for me. While well, I discovered it and and loved it, and loved that you got to use a wheel and a shifter and a gas pedal just like a real car. I was young when that you know when I first discovered that one. Um, I still loved the home ports of Outrun. I played it on any console that it was released on that I owned, and I you know that's a game that to me personally was good on both the arcade and at home. So for me, these body sensation games, which I don't know if that was the true name for it, that's how they're referring to it in the book, uh, those really did bring an entirely different level to gaming and it's especially important for any kids that played it. So I, I really enjoy books like this. I love Evan Amos's book. I still have that one uh, right in my coffee table, the game console because that you know when people come over, a lot of people flip through it and just really admire the the really wonderful work of Evan. And I think this one's going to go right next to it, and as long as it's decent quality, I think a pretty cool thing would be people coming over and uh, either reminiscing about those arcade machines or not even realizing those ever existed and be able to experience them in 3D but in a book popping up. I don't know. I just thought it was really neat, and I hope the quality is even half as good as they make it seem online, and uh, if there's anything notable about it, I'll repost once mine arrives. It's from the UK, coming from the UK, so not sure how long it'll take to get here, but... I just wanted to share it for everybody, because, both because it's kind of a cool novelty and because I know those games, at least one of those games, probably meant a lot to somebody who was the age that you would have been if you were young when those games were still in arcades. So, you know, I I certainly wasn't going to an arcade when OutRun came out, but by the time I was 10 years old and I saw it, that was, you know, that was an experience for me. So just figured I'd want to let everybody know. The NES homebrew game Zelda The Legend of Link was just updated to fix a game breaking bug that prevents you from passing through the game if you haven't gotten a certain item by a certain point. I'm trying to do this spoiler free. Um, the developer who goes by the online name Infidelity posted this with a description of it, and Smoke Monster was nice enough to update on romhacking.net. Um, if you're already playing the game, read that romhacking.net description pretty detailed or read that as detailed as you can, because there's some issues with not being able to use existing save states or possibly even save games on it. So if you're already past the point in the game that has the bug and you, you know, it doesn't apply to you, I would just keep playing and not worry about it. Uh, if you're not up to that point yet, you might want to read into it and see if you could continue to use your existing save games or what the deal is, um, Overall, though, I loved this game. I played it a few years ago. Leon K. made me a a physical repro of it. Thank you, Leon. Still appreciate that. Um, And I would call it a game that's uh, incredibly challenging but not unfair. And especially when you uh, compare it to, like, the original Zelda, I think it's about as hard as the second quest, which is very hard. But... Uh, Unlike the original Zelda, I don't remember hitting a point in the game that was unfair. Like, you gotta push a random wall that's unmarked or something. And, you know, while I I still love the original Legend of Zelda, uh, anybody that remembers playing it as a kid remembers that whole, there's no internet so you can't look anything up. So if you're stuck in the game, you either got to, go to every single screen on the map and, and you know try everything you can or find a friend that has Nintendo Power or ask the kids at school or anything. And I didn't feel there was anything like that for this game. I think there was one part where I uh, right at the beginning where I tried to or I had to look up a solution and when once I read what the solution was, I felt dumb because it was right in front of my face. <laughs> uh, and I, I can't remember if I beat the whole thing without cheating. I do remember getting up to The Last Castle, and I don't remember if I put in a cheat code after that just to finish it, Um, but I I just remember it being a very cool game for people that are fans of the 8-bit style Zelda, and nothing about the original one uh, applies to this. It's not just a basic ROM hack. It's a completely from-scratch reimagining of the game, Um, and it's something that if you're a fan of the original, you should definitely play. Uh, Now, in order to play it, you either need a mister or the EverDrive N8 Pro, um, or I guess the Analog NT Mini. But it will not work on the original N8, and I don't know if it'll work on the Power Pack or not. Uh, and of course, you could use your own donor cart and make your own repro, but I don't think there's a need for that anymore with the N8 Pro. So overall, if you want to experience this game, definitely check it out. Um, it's, you know, Hopefully you'll like it as much as I did, and if not, at least spend a few moments appreciating a pretty cool remake. Or not remake, reimagining. Whatever, you'll see what I mean. I just posted a video about the Core U Transcoder, a device that takes composite and S video and converts it to a component. And I'm calling the video first look because the developer has already posted a new firmware and added a bunch more uh, to-do list features that will be coming soon. Um, so I, I still wanted to review it the way it is because if you order one, in, you know, in the foreseeable future, it's probably going to come with the firmware that I tested, and you need a hardware programmer in order to update it. I don't think any of them have um, like a micro SD slot or something. So while it's already getting more features than this uh, for the foreseeable future this is how it will act and overall it's pretty awesome i think the video kind of summed up all of its uses i have my favorite use uh, for it you know there's some interesting niche uses for it the only thing i will say is that i did do a quick comparison to this versus a RetroTink 2x to an uh HDMI to component converter and they acted differently they're both good solutions um, most people who saw the video were able to just tell oh yeah this is for me oh, this one's not for me or whatever else it's always such a hard balance because I try to, to hit that beginner to intermediate range but many many other beginners see the videos and it's not their exact same setup so uh, they don't understand And I wish I could have explained it in a better way to make everybody understand and of course the experts always point out some of the semantics that i either glossed over for time purposes or, or didn't feel was relevant to the video and don't ever stop by the way i love that i love it very much and i especially like it when people do it politely not like hey you moron you forgot about this like uh, i have a lot of friends that are smarter than me that take the time to school me on some of these things and while some of it was uh uh, creative choices, if you will. I just wanted to leave it out just to keep the video flowing and not not bore the beginners. Sometimes I do genuinely make mistakes, and I, I love learning from them and not making them again. So thank you to everybody who gives hard feedback on these things. I do really really enjoy it. So. Um, if the, if you're at all interested in this or just want to see a video with a bunch of fancy shots in it, please check it out. And I should have an updated video soon or a follow-up video on more tweaking that you could do if you already own a retro tank and you want to interface it through the OSSC for something like the S video example I give in this video. Um, that's kind of a niche thing. So I'll, I'll try to slap a video together just so people understand what to do. But uh, I kind of glossed over it because this was about the Koryu. This wasn't about the RetroTank. Respect to both products, of course. Uh, I just didn't want to drone on and, and confuse people that were here just to learn about this one solution. So I'll, um, I'll get to it as soon as I can. And as far as this video goes, I hope you like it. The team that's making Streets of Rage 4 has just confirmed a few new updates. First, there's a new character named Floyd. Uh, also two players can play online co-op but four players can play together locally which is pretty cool and they confirmed that they're aiming for a spring 2020 release on the switch ps4 xbox one and pc Uh, and there's a bunch more very cool details that ray added to the post about um, things like a backstory for floyd and more details about the game and the co-op modes so if you're um, you know if you're interested in this game definitely check out the post and in all honesty i'd love to see games that uh, games that are great examples of an awesome genre being brought back like this, because it's not just a nostalgia grab. I mean, this obviously, you know, anybody that loved Streets of Rage is going to look into this, but I think it's more important that people highlight the good style games. And, you know, we've gotten a couple of really awesome Metroidvanias the past few years, whereas there was a chunk of time where we got none, pretty much. And I just hope that game developers start to realize that, you know, maybe there isn't such a thing as modern and retro games. Maybe there's just styles of games that people love, and you should stick to making, you know, or if you like a style of game, you don't have to call it a retro game. You could just make a very cool beat up But just my opinion. Please check out Ray's post if you're interested. The company Brook has just released a firmware update to their PS3 and PS4 controller to Genesis or PC Engine controller adapter. And this allows you to take advantage of all six buttons for both. So if you want to play yourself some Eternal Champions or some Street Fighter on the PC Engine using a PlayStation 3 or 4 controller, now you can. It's a free firmware update. So if you already own one of these, it seems like a, a no brainer to update. And if you don't already own one, they're about $40, but I've, I've met a lot of players over the years who are pro-level gamers is the best way to describe them that grew up on a PlayStation controller, and that's all they want to use, whether it's on an arcade tournament, modern games, whatever else. So I completely understand why people would want this specific adapter. And while I haven't personally tested it, um, some reputable sources say that they're extremely low lag. So this is something that you could use... Uh, you could most likely use in a a professional environment. Now, this is all hearsay and speculation, so uh, I I would love to test one for lag at one point just to absolutely verify, but the general consensus so far is the Brook products have been pretty solid. So uh, if I'm wrong, please correct me in the comments. But I think it's something that you could rely on for a pretty good experience. And also, I would like to welcome Jay. Uh, this is his first post on Retro RGB, so thank you very much, Jay. And if anybody else is interested in posting, you know, it's our writers are always open for more. It's um, you know, you don't have to commit to doing a set amount of work. You could do one post a year if it's just something like this that you happen to catch it before everybody else and you want to throw it on there. Absolutely awesome. So please contact me one way or another, or I guess. Just even in the comments if you'd like to be one of the writers um, at any level you know one post a year one post a week whatever doesn't matter we welcome all contributions so uh thanks to jay and check out the brook converter if you're interested Quicks has just released the game gear everdrive x7 which is a more enhanced version of the original game gear everdrive and it's available for sale right now on everdrive.me I purchased one and it came to about $135 after shipping, so expect about that depending on where you are and how much shipping might cost, and it just comes with the EverDrive itself and a Game Gear style case, so it looks pretty pro to be honest with you. Um, The advantages and upgrades over the original include a bunch of stuff uh, like save states, in-game menus, and instant loading. Um, So if you haven't bought an EverDrive for your Game Gear yet, and you want the whole library, and I guess the whole Master System library on it as well, although be warned that SMS games don't really look that great on a Game Gear, but point being, if you don't already own one, this is probably the one to get, because I can't imagine one that would be released after this with more features than this. It seems to have everything you could imagine. If you already own a Game Gear EverDrive and it's working fine, I would just go through all of the features and just kind of decide, is the upgrade right for you or is it good enough? Um, It's really a case-by-case basis. There isn't one thing that I could say to steer you either way, I would just take a look at it yourself. And the only thing to note is uh, I believe the entire Game Gear and SMS library, including extras and all the fun stuff you see in the EverDrive packs, is about one and a half gigs but the cheapest micro SD cards out there these days are 16 gigs. Anything smaller than that is more expensive because they're not made in as much quantity. So my suggestion is that uh, if you just want the cheapest one possible, I have a link to a $6 16 gigabit um, disk card. Gigabyte, not gigabit, sorry. Uh, and the only difference between that and the faster one is how long it takes for the ROMs to move from your computer to, to the memory card. When you're talking about tiny files like Game Gear and SMS ROMs in a cartridge like this, I don't think uh, SD card speed matters at all. I think it's going to load so quickly it just doesn't matter. But if you're impatient like me and you don't want to sit there and wait for a slower card, you can upgrade to the the X- SanDisk Extremes, and the smallest one available for that is 32 gigabytes, and it's about ten dollars. So you know it's about twice the price, but we're still talking ten dollars so you know if you it's just a total waste of space I completely agree on that part but if you like to be able to just unzip your files and have it go pretty quickly to an SD card maybe spend the extra five bucks on the on the extreme version Um, for me personally I don't change my game gear lineup that often so I just got the cheaper one and um, I guess I'll give it a test when it comes in I don't know if it's going to require a video uh, I'm sure, you know, I'd, I'd welcome any other YouTuber that just enjoys making videos to make a comparison, and if you make one, reach out and I'll post about it, but um, unless there's something technically different that people need to know about, if it really is just some in-game menus and a speed difference, I have a feeling this post is enough of a description for most people to get the idea, and I probably wouldn't do a video, but if you're going to do a video on it, let me know, and I'll, I'll happily promote happily. Unfortunately, this is two weeks in a row that I have to end the podcast on a bit of a bummer, but there's some information that I definitely have to get out there, and I probably should have addressed this over a year ago. But I think now is relevant because of, well, you'll find out in a second. But I'm going to skip to the end, spit it out. And then if you already know the truth about the story, just close the podcast. There's nothing after this. If you don't know the story or if you don't know the truth, it's probably worth sitting through and being bored by it. Just so that you could skip all of the misinformation that's out there. So just to skip to the end. The company Badass Consoles is apparently trying to sell products again, even though they still haven't refunded everybody who tried to pre-order their plug-and-play GC video device, and there still is no plug-and-play GC video device, which is really insulting to everybody. It's a slap in the face to me because I, I stood by him when it seemed like he was trying to do the right thing, and I just wanted to warn everybody. Like, you know, I, I don't know if I would be comfortable giving my money to somebody that has been already had a history of doing this. And the people that reached out to me and said they bought some of the things from him recently said it wasn't an easy experience either. So um, I'd like to explain why I just said something so harsh and uh, and mean to somebody else in the retro gaming world. So if you already know the story, whatever. Uh, But that's relevant today because he's still trying to sell stuff and this is also relevant today because there's a completely separate company that was involved in a pre-order that everybody gets screwed out of money and members of that company are now starting to open another pre-order for something else and i don't have any personal involvement in that so i just want the short short version to be a warning to people that please double check if you're going to do any kind of pre-orders maybe just take the time to google somebody it's my opinion that in the retro gaming world if you just want to give somebody the benefit of the doubt and do the pre-order nine times out of ten there are zero issues whatsoever maybe a little delay or something but it's it's really rare that there's serious issues like people lose their money and when it does happen more often than not it's things out of people's control it's not you know it's not a, a giant scam or anything like that so i guess just you know Google when you could, and uh, unfortunately, now I'm going to have to explain why I just said all those things. So I'm going to just run through the story real quick and then kind of come back to everything. But years ago, I think four years ago now, three years ago, something like that, uh, Badass Consoles announced a GameCube HDMI solution that was based off the GC Video project that Ingo Korb open sourced to everybody. And at that time, years ago, Michael was the only one who was trying to do some kind of manufactured production solution. So everybody got pretty excited. Like a year after he, um, after he announced it, he opened pre-orders on it. And then about six months later, uh, you know, the pre-orders were closed. I think at that time he changed what the product was. So I actually at the time totally understood and agreed with his reasonings for changing the product from an internal to an external solution, but it still was a little awkward that people really there people bought something and now they don't get the thing that they bought. So at that time he said, if you don't you know if what you really wanted was the internal, contact me and I'll give you a refund from what i remember most people at that time did get their refund and uh you know some of it was probably harder than others cuz he has a reputation for being bad at communicating but you know that it seemed okay and he said all right everybody else just stick around for the plug and play solution and there were a lot of people that were really excited about that so then about a year goes by with terrible communication not keeping anybody in the loop of the product uh, or of the project and then another company came out and released their HDMI-only plug-and-play solution that was available right then. And it got weird. He came back on the podcast and, and came up with his explanations and told people that if they wanted their refunds, just contact him, but you know, maybe wait because this is the only dual-outputting project that's that's going to be released. And at that time, there were still reports of him being bad at communicating, and some people were getting their refunds, and some people weren't, Um, so I asked people after that interview, like, hey, did did you actually get your refund, and at that time, specifically at this time, a a bunch of people did message me either privately, or, you know, they tweeted at me with their personal info blacked out, and said, yes, I did get a refund, it was kind of a pain, but I got it, so it's frustrating. It's annoying. You know, it was, it was kind of hurtful to me at this point because I, I stood by him and I, I did believe there was a real product. But then a year after that, the same company released a dual plug and play device rendering his completely useless. And he kind of just dropped off the face of the planet and it, so in hindsight, in all of this stuff, you know, I stood by him and I defended him because I stand by and defend everybody who's trying their best to make something. And these were real products. I think many people who have heard the story don't seem to understand that throughout the course of this, I have a working internal HDMI solution sitting right there, and I also have a working dual plug-and-play solution that would have been factory finish other than the uh, 3D printed case. The board inside was supposedly done, and they all work fine. There was a few little things to iron out, but nothing that couldn't have been done in a reasonable period of time. So, I genuinely believe that this started out as a, a real project and there's proof throughout all of this that it was a real product, uh, that it did exist. And it seems that the problem ended up in manufacturing and just feature creep, I guess. So it kind of stinks cause there's other pro- there's other pre-order stuff out there that kind of, I mean, I don't have any proof, but there's at least one in particular that kind of makes me think there was never actually a product. He took people's money and did the whole fake it till you make it thing And then dipped with everybody's money And that's a different company, a different thing That's not the case in this situation But then Michael kind of made everything worse Because then he was... Venting to friends and said some pretty horrible stuff. And I think all of us are probably guilty of that at some point. I know personally, I've been hanging out with a friend and I just completely unloaded about something I was upset about and just said things that I I didn't mean at all. I just wanted to get it off my chest. But like, privately in my living room over a beer where no one can hear but me and my friend who knows that I'm just venting and don't mean it whereas he did the same things in a public forum whether I don't remember if it was twitch or discord or whatever else so while I understand the venting part the bottom line is he ended up saying a lot of lies about a lot of good people just because I think he was just blown off steam. So that was pretty much one of the last things anybody ever heard from him on this. You know, he, he vented, said some awful stuff and then disappeared and never made any public announcement. And that's kind of why I never made any response to this at all because I just promoted him the same way I promote everybody else in the retro gaming world. And when he dropped off the planet, I didn't realize there was anything left to say because I didn't have any answers at all. And in hindsight, I probably should have just taken the time to do exactly what I'm doing right now and just say, hey, here's what I know. Here's a reminder of what really happened. And here's where I think we're at now. And I don't know what to do at this point so i probably should have just uh taken some accountability for at least being somebody that promoted this person but then you know, the person disappears. And I I definitely apologize for that, but I also didn't have any direct involvement. This isn't my company, this isn't my product, and they are real products. So it's not like I was just, like, Theranos, just going off of the word that it works. Like, they're working products that I just don't know what the heck happened. And I think lack of communication was the the problem that really made everything even worse. And don't get me wrong, I I, I feel so bad for everybody that lost their money. And I don't know about any of you, but for me personally, I've had times in my life where losing about a hundred bucks would have sucked, but you know, wasn't going to ruin my my month. And I've had plenty of other times in my life where losing a hundred bucks would have hit real hard. So I completely sympathize with the money end. And I feel bad that I had any involvement in promotion to something that didn't work out. But I think the thing that hurt everybody more, everyone more was nothing was ever said about it. And there have been plenty of failed projects where people just were honest and everybody was mostly understanding. And if I think if Michael had just said, hey, look, the other company just released the same thing I'm trying to release. I'm still not anywhere with it. I don't know what to do. I don't have any money to refund people because I spent all the money trying to make the project happen. What could I do? You know, what Can I open source it? What could I do to make this right? I think if he said that, there would have been a lot of furious people, but I think you know, we're all understanding human beings. Most of us are anyway. And I think it's fairly easy for a reasonable person to put themselves in somebody else's shoes. And it's always easy to say, I wouldn't have made that decision if you're not that person. And I could honestly say that because I have a background in manufacturing, I definitely wouldn't have made the decisions that he made. But if I didn't have a manufacturing background and I didn't go through the stuff in a would I have made the same decisions? So I just wanted to take a moment to just, uh, apologize to everybody for not addressing this sooner. Cause even though, um, even though it's not my company, I do take ownership of the responsibility that I promoted somebody that ended up, you know, what I think is at least an accident, but Promoted somebody that took people's money and didn't give a product in, re- in return. I also felt now was the time to bring it up as opposed to any other time because he's trying to sell stuff again. And because there's a few other things that are going on now that are pre-order related that might, although it has nothing to do with badass consoles, it's a similar warning of, hey, you know, maybe you shouldn't be giving your money to these people. Now you know it's. I'm certainly not trying to condemn anybody, and I think if Michael ever tried to find a way to make the pre-order solution right and had his products given to another reseller to sell for him, I think that that would probably be something that you know I might be be willing to forgive and just say, okay, well he's not handling the money anymore. Somebody else already has products in stock. Fine, cool, but I I don't feel comfortable and I, uh, paying him directly. And I don't feel comfortable recommending that any of you do the same just because of the history of this. And I really would like some explanation and some kind of solution to the people that ended up getting ripped off. Cause it's just not really fair to anybody. So, you know, my apologies for any involvement in this. um, While this might make some of you angry, I would like to make the point that I am not changing anything about how I promote people's products. I love the people in the retro gaming scene, I love the amazing products they create, and I still feel comfortable finding who to me is a complete stranger with a product that I've never heard of before, and as long as I could do a little bit of research and talk to the developer and it seems real, I'm still going to promote everybody that I feel has a product that we want. I'm still going to give everybody the benefit of the doubt. I'm still going to put myself and other people's shoes when things like this happen. I just think for me personally, if things go to hell again, uh, I, I would probably then immediately after step up to the plate and add a section like this to the podcast. I don't do a separate video for this because this is not a drama channel. I don't do drama things just for clicks because it's an easy way to get clicks. There is no top 10 reasons you shouldn't buy from badass consoles that your wife doesn't want you to see. Like it's not, It's not who I am or ever want to be but i do feel that a lot of people a lot of people felt that because i didn't say anything that i was trying to skirt ownership and that just wasn't the case i just since he didn't say anything, I didn't know what I could say to add anything to the situation, and there was nothing I could say to make anybody feel better, and there still isn't. I just wanted to take the time today to warn everybody about it, to remind everybody about the truth about what happened, and I completely understand if you're still mad at me or Michael or anybody else, but at least hopefully you'll be mad for the right reasons now and not some story that somebody posted on the internet somewhere that got everything wrong, so... Please be careful with pre-orders. Please, you know, just uh, understand that when you give money to a pre-order of anything, there's always a chance that something's going to go wrong and you're not going to get it back. But for me personally, my opinion... Everybody else in the retro gaming scene, I am totally comfortable just doing a pre order with. Most people have had an excellent track record. Some have a track record of always being late, but always getting the product out to people. So I'm still comfortable recommending everything in these situations, other than the people that have had a history of taking people's money and not delivering. And even the ones that, even the situations that did where they were transparent about it and said, hey, here's what happened, I'd support that person again because they were honest and transparent and told everybody what happened and explained their side, and it made complete sense to me, and it didn't seem like it was their fault. So it just in these cases that I'm talking about, it doesn't seem like that was the case. No one fessed up. No one's got their money back. There doesn't seem to be any transparency. So I'm really sorry for the long rant, and I certainly apologize that this happened at all. I honestly just thought he was going to go away, and we'd all just have to let it go and just accept the fact that we all got ripped off. But the fact that he's back trying to sell products now and there's still issues getting the product on time, apparently, uh, I just felt now was the time to bring this up again. And just, I also wanted to address why there were videos of me talking about somebody and praising somebody that had ripped off a bunch of people. I think it's very easy to forget time frame and I think it's very an honest mistake for anybody to to look at those videos and forget when they were made because a lot of them were made at a time where although his uh, his release timeline was always a bit unrealistic what he was trying to accomplish was certainly genuine, and the products were genuine and real and exist. It was just a matter of getting them manufactured and out to people that kind of fell on its head. So, you know, I hope that anybody that that hears about the drama that happened also realizes that at one point this was a real project, and it kind of just fell apart. So my apologies if I accidentally misleaded anybody, and uh, especially because there were those videos of praise out there without any follow-up of explaining what happened i definitely should have done this a long time ago i just honestly thought that since he disappeared we'd never have to talk about it again but i guess that's not the case so anyway sorry for the rant but uh i'll end it now Well, that's it for this week. If you've made it this far after that long and boring rant, thank you so much. It was just a a heartfelt apology and explanation for why things might seem different than they actually were. But anyway, as always, thank you so much for watching and listening. Thank you to everybody who participates in the comments and makes it fun to have discussions. And of course, and especially, thank you to everybody who supports. Because without your help on platforms like Floatplane or Patreon, none of these videos, the research that go into them, or any of the behind-the-scenes stuff, stuff whatever happened so thank you all so much i hope to meet all of you this weekend and i'll see you next week